Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Baird. Hi Stuart, how are you? You alright? I'm fine John, another virtual podcast recording for us this month. I know, I'm beginning to miss you in the flesh, but at least Aye. I can see you, at least we can talk. And it's a good episode um, today because we've got something different to talk about. Uh, which we're, we're going to talk about the A8. Uh, now, this is the western end of the A8, where the M8 ends at West Ferry. Uh, so this is towards Port Glasgow and Greenock. And we'll talk a little bit about the A78 as well. So I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, have you, Stuart? Yeah, it's always good to have new podcast topics. And I think hot on the heels of that M73 episode that we released last time, I think people yeah. will be quite interested. And it's uh, forced us to do a bit of research uh, on that mm. western section of the A8 in Inverclyde. It's... It's a section of road that I've used a lot over the years, but not really paid much attention to it in terms of when it was built, when it opened. And I was, I was strangely intrigued by a lot of it. Uh, you know, so I, and I know you know it quite well, John. Yeah, from, from work and also from some of my travel, because I, I kind of used to stay down that way. Yeah. But um, I mean, as you say, we, we found out some stuff. We don't know everything. No. Uh, but, you know, we'll have a good chat about it. And maybe, you know, we might find out some more because the people who listen to this are fantastic for contributing information. Yeah, exactly. And I hope I hope people do come forward with any info. But hey, listen, before we start talking about the E8 and E78 and these things, I'd just like to remind the listeners that our calendar for 2021 is now on sale. Um, it's available through our website, web store, uh, glasgomotorwayarchive.org forward slash online dash store and on there you will find the calendar it's 9.99 with free postage and packing and you'll also find the commemorative booklet for the Kingston Bridges 50th anniversary that we released in PDF form format earlier in the year but it's now available as a print you can pick one of them up free but there is a small 150 charge for postage on that so if you're interested in a calendar or a booklet get on the website now and have a look you'll find the links in social media um, yeah, these are really good uh, yeah. i just, just can i jump in and just yeah. say i've seen the calendar it's amazing quality uh, and it's nice to have something big i like the desk calendars but these big ones are really yeah. good so so people will remember back in the summer on, on social media that we ran a poll to see whether people would prefer wall calendars or desk calendars uh, the wall calendar came out on top by quite a considerable margin so that's why we've gone with that double four yeah double a four mm. bounds uh, you know, wall calendar this year. And we've been able to reduce the price as well based on, you know, from last year because That's the right. printing costs uh, for, for this type of calendar is, is much cheaper. So we're able to offer it to people for a, a far better rate this year. And the quality is by far the greatest we have offered to date. Um, it really is wonderful. And again, our thanks to Patrick, who's helped uh, with the design and the, and the preparation of that. It's been really, mm. really helpful. Uh, so yeah, get on and you'll get a free Kingston booklet with every calendar. And also you may have seen on social media some of our photo flyers that we've uh, actually prepared as well that we're sticking in. And you will receive, uh, depending on the number of calendars or whatever you purchase, you'll get uh, one or more of those uh, with mm. some of our images in a wee description. Basically, basically as a small thank you. Uh, and there's one or two other surprises as well. And the images we think are a great selection. Um, you know, from across across Glasgow, and again, there's one or two surprises. A lot of new ones in there. Yeah, well, they're all they're all new, I think, with the exception of one that's a slightly different angle to one we've shown before. They are all new, uh, brand new yeah. angles and things. So yeah, people, are, I'm sure people will really, really like them. Yeah, I know they will. <laughs> be good. And, and of course, let us know what you okay. think if you do snap one up. So, John, A8 then. Well, tell me, A8. What do you think yeah. about it as a route? 
You see, well, I, I consider it mostly between West Ferry and down towards Newark roundabout, which is really where you get into Port Glasgow proper. I really see it as a continuation of the M8. It's a dual two lane. Uh, yes, it has at grade junctions, but it's high quality. It doesn't seem to get congested. It's I find it quite a quiet bit of road, uh, to be honest with you. Heading through Port Glasgow and into Greenock becomes a lot more urban, uh, but still moves. It's a road to me. As a, as, a, as a user, functions well, to be honest with you. So that's my, my hot take on it, so to speak. What about yourself? Yeah, likewise, I've always found it a very fast-moving uh, section of road, almost mm. like an expressway between Greenock and Glasgow, or the M8. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's got one or two roundabouts on it, but I think because the sections between them are fairly long, once you get east of Port Glasgow, you feel as though you're getting somewhere pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I've always considered it to be pretty good standard, good width, uh, not any awkward corners um, or anything like that. Good visibility. Um, Condition-wise, it always seems to be pretty all right. You know, Some lovely views. Yeah. You know, we've often said that the, the, the best views in the actual motorway network are coming down the hill um, from Junction 30 towards Junction 31 westbound on the MA, where you, you look out over the, the River Clyde, and um, it's the same going along there. I mean, you're really hard up against the water in areas, especially yeah. as you're going towards Port Glasgow. Yeah, so you're running really on the, on the foreshore of the, the Clyde estuary there, aren't you? And, and there's one, of, one yeah. of the schemes that we're going to talk about, actually, when I was doing some research. Uh, they, they specifically built on some reclaimed land, through there, as I think they mm -hmm. had done with a section of maybe the Bishopton Bypass as well, possibly. The very end of it, I'm not sure. Only um, down at West Ferry. Yeah, yeah, yeah right the at case. the very end. Yeah, so it's the kind of continuation from that then. Um, so to give everybody then some historic context, so obviously prior to the construction of the M8 motorway, the A8 was the main trunk road from Greenock all the way across to Edinburgh. At that time, uh, or if you think pre-1960, very few sections had dual carriageway. On the whole, it was a single carriageway rural route, uh, except for the sections through some of the main town centres, thinking Renfrew, Glasgow City Centre, obviously, uh, and then as you headed through Lanarkshire and then out towards, to, towards Edinburgh. So in the late 50s, early 60s, as we've said many times, it was decided that that entire route should be improved and that that should either be, uh, in, in the case of a motorway being constructed or improvements to, to widen it to dual carriageway. Uh, and by about 1965, or there or thereabouts, they had determined that the motorway would run from the outskirts of Edinburgh all the way across to Paisley initially before they then pushed it a bit further west, and that the dual carriageway section would continue from, from say, Lang Bank all the way to Greenock, uh, and some early other, you know, through sections of Edinburgh as well. So these improvements all came uh, piecemeal up to the period 1980. Um, and, and I suppose 2017, if you include the bit between Bales and the New House, uh, which I suppose was also the anomaly because it was dueled first as well yeah. in a modern setting in terms of being done 1960-61. So, so it's only fitting that it would be motorway converted last. Yeah, yeah. In, that, in that sense. So really then the section of M8 that, that sort of are, you know, relates mostly to, to this section of the A8 would be the second stage of the Bishopton Bypass, which was completed in November of 1975. Um, so just and that's from just for people to clarify, that's from Junction 30, yes, um, at Creighton all the way down to West Ferry, yeah. So they ask basically continuing from the Erskine Bridge approach roads all the way down to West Ferry, and that replaced that section of the motorway, replaced a particularly rural 
and not particularly desirable section of the old A through Bishopton. And the section between Bishopton and West Ferry was not, it's, not really it's, good. It's known as the, locally, it's known as the Hatton Bray. And it was particularly bad back in the day for, for HGVs climbing up the hill and holding everybody up. Now, it's quite yeah. a straight section of road, but it does have a few dips in it, and, but it has accesses and things had to go through Bishopton. So, no, it was it was welcomed. Yeah. You know. um, so albeit I... that people from Bishopton had to go all the way down to West Ferry <laughs> to actually use the motorway after their junction shut. But, yeah. you know. So, as, as is often the case in the construction of new road projects in Britain uh, and in Glasgow, in particular, it was a case of when the E8 or the M8, sorry, Bishopton Bypass Stage 2 was finished, uh, you would have expected that there was a nice shiny piece of dual carriageway waiting for you to continue your junction to Greenock. No, that was absolutely not the case. Uh, and at that time, actually, the only dual sections uh, in the Inverclyde area were actually in the Greenock Town Centre and Port Glasgow area because there were a number of urban schemes taken forward by the Greenock uh, Borough Council. Um, to dual online sections of the A8 past the shipyards and through Port Glasgow Town Centre around the, the town centre, all the way out to the, the bull ring roundabout where the A78 kicks off. So that was all done first. Um, now, there was a short stretch of dual carriageway also completed to the east of Port Glasgow, which is still there, and it's north of the rail, sorry, south of the railway, um, where the Lidl store is in uh, Port Glasgow, if anyone knows it. And it doesn't go anywhere. It runs for about maybe half a mile, three quarters of a mile, and then it yeah. comes to an end. And that's that's Glasgow Road. So it's obvious yeah. that at one stage they thought they were going to do the online upgrading of the existing A8, perhaps all the way out to the motorway. But at some stage um, in the 1970s, they decided to change that and they selected a corridor that was more, you know, on the foreshore of the river, closer to the river, more expensive, but it took it away from a lot of property. And probably, yeah. you know, yeah. You're right about that, Stuart. And anyone who wants to have a look at what Stuart's talking about, um, if, if you look at this from where Little is, there is a section of dual carriageway. Then it goes to single as it goes past the cemetery uh, in, towards the Wood Hall area. Now, the dual carriageway is technically still there, but what they've done is they converted what was the westbound carriageway into a frontage street called Woodhall Terrace. Yeah. Um, and you can see that it's basically a dual carriageway, but one of the carriageways has been repurposed for an access road. So you're absolutely right. And it wasn't ideal. No. You know, because it was front up against houses. Yeah. So they've obviously made the decision that if they're going to build this high quality, high speed road, which is, it is, then it would make sense to take it away, you know, from that area as much as possible. Now, we are a bit, some of the detail behind some of these schemes wasn't exactly forthcoming. So we've got some general information about each of these contracts, but really we're appealing to people who live in the area or other listeners who can maybe fill in some of these gaps that we have. Um, so yeah, fairly familiar with the section in Greenock Town Centre and Port Glasgow, the, the sort of urban online upgrading of the road, which was done in the, you know, decided upon in the late 60s, but carried out through the early 70s, mostly completed by the time the Borough Council was abolished in 1975. Now, at the same time, they were working on the eastern end um, of the, the dual carriageway. So we know that Bishopton Stage 2 and the M8 was completed in 1975, but it seems that the first section of dual carriageway, continuing that from there, all the way to now, John. You can keep me right here. Sure. I think in the first instance it ran all the way to the roundabout, um, more or less at Wood Hall. Is that yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Almost, almost to Wood Hall. Are you, 
you're, you're, you're of course talking about what was the the old road yeah uh, that was there yes it did but the, there was a problem of course because you're up against the water and you're up against high topography as well so the land there was never great uh and it was pushed in against the railway as yeah. well now based on the maps and, and things and the information we have available it looks to be that that section was completed as a dual carriageway or at least most of it by around 1977 or there or thereabouts so for a couple of years, you came off the M8 yeah. uh, and you had to have taken this old road, which would have gone through Lang Bank and then under the railway bridge and, and, and things like that. Yeah. And, and I saw when I was looking at the old maps, actually, that I hadn't realised so much of the, the old road was actually to the south of the railway. Uh, obviously, now the dual carriageway runs north of the railway, closer to the river. So but there's actually still some remnants there of it. You know, as you said, um, you can still see parts of it, uh, you know, on the satellite views and things. Uh, that are just small sections of road that are stubbed up. Um, so I think that section was probably complete somewhere between 1975-1977. Okay. Um, now, I'm just bringing up some details here that I have. Now, we know that Watlings, our favourite old contractor, Watlings, were involved yeah. in a contract for the A from Newark Castle to West Lodge Road. And they were calling that phase two, and that's Port Glasgow, it says. Um, and that was a two million pound scheme. Now, I wonder if that was the long section um, that took it from there, uh, you know, out towards Port Glasgow, you know, where the rock cutting section is. So that, that award was made in late 1983. Yeah. yeah. So we know that that section was done in late 1983. So really, if you think about the contracts then, so in the 1970s, early 70s, we've got the section of Greenock Town Centre that takes you from Bullring out so far east to just beyond Port Glasgow. We've then got the section from the end of Bishopton Stage 2 up to one of the roundabouts that came about uh, around about 1977. And then there's a final two contracts that connect there in the other section that seem to be completed one phase one in 1983 and phase two in 1985. Now, I do actually have some opening dates for a couple of them here so what's, um, here. what's very impressive i like it is where you're talking about a wood hall so wood hall is an at grade roundabout but what they've done is they actually uh, it's grade separated from the railway so looking at the railway passes on the lower level with two bridges supporting the roundabout above <laughs> yeah. yeah so this that's this, where the rock cutting is yeah this main section here this big contract that we're talking about um runs from just east of an old, uh, the old Broadfield Hospital, uh, which I think is just behind the existing rock cutting there. Uh, that's no longer yeah. there. It's very close to the railway line. This section ran from there. So just before that big fancy rock cutting that we that we know is there as you approach the roundabout at yeah. Wood Hall. And it ran all the way out to where the, the railway bridge at the Lidl store is now. Ah, right, I okay. see. So that was the one where it went right down close to the river. Yeah, very close to the... So that's basically right on the river, yeah. Now, I've got a couple of opening dates here. <clears throat> it says here, the first phase of the main contract, <clears throat> excuse me, was completed between March 1981 and February 1983 at a cost of $6.275 million. The second phase of the project began in January 1984 with a value of just, just shy of two million. Uh, and the route was open to the public in January 1985. Yeah. So that's the second phase. So I just told you there, I think the Watlings were involved in phase one. 
I can't tell you uh, who was involved in phase two, unfortunately. Um, I'm hopeful that information will, will come to us from someone. Yeah. Um, the, the, the section down close to the water, now we have seen some technical papers uh, for around about this rock cutting. It was incredibly difficult to, to build. Um, they, they had problems there with the, um, the kind of substrata and things like that. But also the, the section down had to, you, you, we, we spoke about this earlier about reclaiming land um, and, and going down um, it just against the Clyde, that would have been, you know, a significant kind of challenge at the time. So the route is, it's, it's quite technically impressive uh, yeah. from, from that point of view, is they had to build out into the, 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 the River Clyde or the estuary. Yeah, and there was a lot of pre-splitting of the rock as well. You know, when they were clearing out that rock face to squeeze the road through there, they did a lot of pre-splitting, which I think was uh, was also quite difficult for them. Um, you know, if you're driving past there, you will actually see the the marks in the rock where they drill down into the rock before they then break away the other yeah. section. So as you pass, you'll look and you'll see the actual boreholes coming down the face face of the rock there. And it does mm -hmm. say in that technical paper that you're talking about, John, it does say that they had a lot of... Uh, uh, discussions with the Transport and Road Research Laboratory in Livingston uh, about the best angle and the direction of drill rods to to accurately drill down into the rock there. Um, so yeah. I, I'm getting the impression that it was quite an expensive, um, you know, process. I've always found it. See, personally, uh, we were speaking about my thoughts on the route. I thought one of the most impressive sections, just that area around about Woods Hall. You know? Yeah, yeah. There, there is a lot so, goes on there. Yeah. Um, I suppose, in a sense, these these dual sections of dual carriage we were bypasses of some of the villages as well, weren't they? They were, and some of the areas. So, uh, Langbank being the the example um, that we have now. Langbank, uh, interesting enough here is uh, I, I might be jumping the gun here with what what you've got, but there is a roundabout at Langbank. That is the first at grade um, kind of junction that you get to on that M8 corridor. Now, that wasn't always really the case, was it? It, it used to be a kind of a T-junction there. Yes. Um, yeah, that's now, right. The roundabout was added later. Yeah, I can tell you the yeah, date when that was added. Um, yeah. The roundabout was added at Langbank um, in April 1998. Um, yeah, and that was after years of them calling for that because people in Langbank found it very difficult to get out onto the A8. Yeah, uh, and it says here that the junction had a very poor accident record. Um, it says here the scheme will allow the removal of a height restriction on the eastbound carriageway of the A8 under the railway bridge. So they obviously did a bit more work in there as well, just to to, to deal with just that height up. restriction. Yeah. That, that's the only bit that I think is um, just to use a very non-technical term here, a little bit dodgy uh, mm -hmm. on that route because you're used to this, as we spoke about this expressway stand and going under the railway bridge. It's a, it's a little bit tight, you know, the angles that you go through there. So, but it's interesting though they, they must have lowered the carriageway there. Yeah, to do that. Uh, it says your scheme cost £800,000, funded by the Scottish office, and the contractors are R.G. McLeod. Uh, the designer right. in that scheme was Renfrewshire Council. Uh, I should say that that long section of dual carriageway we were talking about there <clears throat> was designed by Strathclyde Regional Council. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the, the boundary between Renfrewshire and um, Inverclyde is actually at Finlaston. Finlaston is a large kind of country house and estate that, that sits just to the south of the A8 against there so yeah that's where the boundary is so Renfrewshire carried that those works as, as Stuart is saying in the late 1990s yeah yeah, yeah. so um 
Is there anything else we want to talk about the more rural parts of the, the A8 here, or does that just about cover it before we get well, into the, I, I the think guts of Port Glasgow and Greenock? Yeah, it kind of covers the, the rural parts, doesn't it? So it's got a 70 mile an hour speed limit, hasn't it? It does, but I, I wanted to jump in and say something else. Many years yeah. ago um, now, when doing research on uh, Renf the Renfrew Bypass and thus Bishopton Bypass, came across some papers and newspaper articles, um, somebody, a big advocate of this corridor, Dr. McFarlane, yes. yep. uh, did, was, was dismayed at the fact that the A8 wasn't actually M8. Yeah. Why, why, why it shouldn't have been? Now, if we, we just think about that, Stuart, for a second, why? Why isn't it? Why, why, why do we not just have the M8 going all the way to Port Glasgow? Yeah, and you know, and have it, the motorway start. And considering the old A8 was being retained along a lot of its length, um, then you, you, I suppose it wouldn't have cost too much more to continue that. But when you think about it, as we said, and... yeah, parts of the old original A8 were actually stopped up as part of the dueling. Of this, when you think of the bits through, you know, mm -hmm. Lang Bank and those sections. So, if they'd wanted to make so a motorway semi online, yeah, 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 they would need to have retained or kept some kind of an offline corridor, you know, parallel distributor road for tractors and agriculture, you know, agricultural equipment and all that sort of thing. Which, probably based on the traffic projections mm -hmm. they had at that time, it probably just wasn't justified. I mean, the road they've built is basically takes standards, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay, there's some roundabouts, but again, given the wall, it still has the same capacity. It's yeah, roundabouts. Yeah, so there just wasn't the engineering justification for it, you know, from a traffic point of view or otherwise. Um, so yeah, I can see Dr. McFarlane. Also, I think he was a quite an important MP, uh, you know, in the area and had been for a, for a number of years. He was very influential, and it was actually him, if you remember, it was him who got the M8 extended from St James out to Erskine. Because remember, the original intention, even when they started building the Renfrew Bypass, uh, the original intention was that St. James uh, to Craigton was going to be eight. You know, the Bishopton Bypass yeah. was never going to be motorway, but he pushed and lobbied hard, and he managed to get that part, at least, provided, you know, to Upgraded. motorway standards. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's easier because you had a number of parallel routes off the new motorway that could be used for other traffic bit different kind of when we're talking about Inverclyde yeah I mean looking at maps you can see if you were to try and grade separate the junction for example at Lang Bank that would be a considerable yeah. challenge given the water and the railway yeah. and the fact you're next to Lang Bank you know and it's, probably have it's, to move it yeah it's not needed though either is it from a traffic point of view from the roundabouts point of view, it's it's um it, it seems to cope quite well yeah so even 50 years later more than 50 years later almost from the original considerations of it it's still performing very well. It's got tons of capacity left in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it works very well. It's a pretty good route. And that, I mm -hmm. think that more or less covers it for the for the rural section. Now, the, we'll talk about Port Glasgow sections first, because it's important to note here, Stuart, that this actually changed. Now, I don't remember this in my memory, but you do. Yeah, when they built the, the big retail park at Port Glasgow, yeah. So the section from Newark Roundabout uh, through to really where kind of Tesco's is, oh, sorry, the entrance to Port Glasgow Town Centre, mm -hmm. that's more or less unchanged. But as we get towards Tesco, uh, it does change because the road actually used to go to the south there where Tesco was. Am I yeah, correct in saying that's right. that? So basically what's now known as Brown Street in Port Glasgow, which is behind the Tesco store and behind the retail park, that was the original line of the A8 and the dual carriageway, the urban dual carriageway. However, when the, propose, the proposal for the retail park and the housing and all the, the sort of a, uh, reclaiming of all that brownfields, you know, uh, land about there came about, 
it was decided that to you know improve access to the uh, to the, the retail park that they would actually pull the road closer to the river and that's why that short diversion I mean it's maybe what about half a mile or so long yeah that, that small diversion was uh, was then constructed uh, mm -hmm. and then ties in again with the original Greenock Road uh, you know back at, yes. the, at the other roundabout just behind the beach. When roughly did that happen? Because it was kind of early to mid noughties, uh, or was it a little bit? Yeah, later? it was. It was mid to late noughties that all happened. Um, the the oh, original right. plan was that the the Tesco store and the retail park would all come along basically at the same time. However, the financial crisis held a lot of up, and for the first, you know, for the first good five six years, it was only nothing the, was there. Yeah, yeah, only the Tesco. Um, but I think now more or less all of the development um, is, is constructed. That's right. Can I talk about a little funny detail that I see in there? I've been to the B&Q there quite yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a, a water course that runs under that entire yeah, there is. place. And there's yeah. a large culvert that goes under that out towards the river. And there's an opening into that culvert that you could look down into from the B&Q car park and the entrance. Yeah. And I've always been slightly fascinated by that. Yeah, and that is a trunk road structure, that culvert. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember when that was all getting constructed and designed and there was a number of things because the old road was obviously detrunked and passed back to Inverclyde Council so there was right, a number of, of uh, <clears throat> number of discussions that went on uh, about all that um, it's kind of good because it, it took the kind of a through traffic away a wee bit further away from Port Glasgow Town Centre as well and enabled them to yeah. connect to the retail park that's right yeah to uh, environmental improvements, I suppose, to, to that. And uh, as we we start heading into Greenock now, I mean, we can see that the initially the dual carriageway in this section where you get into Greenock, because I always believe Greenock does start after that that roundabout, um, and it, it goes past like Bogston Rail Station, kind of hugs the railway before becoming quite straight and 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 heading through these uh, past like the car garages and stuff like that. What what information do we have on that? Well, th this was all taken forward as part of Greenock uh, Borough Council. Uh, Greenock, uh, so this is the older section you were talking yeah, about at the start. this is the older right. section. So Greenock, like Glasgow, uh, had mm -hmm. proposals for comprehensive development areas. There's that old uh, label again, right. comprehensive development. So Gre Greenock wanted to do the same as in Glasgow. Let's clear out all this out. Yep. Let's start again. They, they wanted to really modernise the town centre there. Um, and what they did was come up with this huge comprehensive de development proposal that would see the new roads constructed. So basically the A was bypassed and jeweled. So coming in from Port Glasgow and heading uh, towards the east, coming across to where the building roundabout is, that whole section was all considered part of that. They then incorporated their town centre proposals in with it as well. So that shopping precinct that was built. Now, I'm not talking about the one at the moment with the roof over it. You know, originally it was all open air. Uh, and the Oak council, Mall. Yeah, Oak Mall, as it's called now. Prior to that, it was Hamilton Way uh, and various other parts. And it was, uh, it was you know, pedestrianised, old pedestrianised streets with new 1970s and 1960s buildings thrown up round about it. And they took right. the new A78 over the top. Now, at that time, the A78 still ran via the coast and was going mm -hmm. right down round past Guruk and coming down to Weems Bay. Past the terminal, Battery Park yep. and all these places, yeah. But they knew that the A78 down past IBM, you know, that section down towards the roundabout at Weems Bay, or Inverkip, sorry, Inverkip. Uh, they knew that was all coming up down the line as well. So by improving access from the A8 to the A78, they were then able to divert the main road along the, you know, the new route down heading. Bypassing Guruk. 
basically, yes. Mm. So there were about four or five phases to the Greenock Town Centre redevelopment. And the, the, the A8 bullring, I think, was part of phase one. Um, you know, and all the underpasses. You know, there's a car park in the middle of that roundabout. That all, all came at the same time. It was all paid for as part of the same scheme. I, I, I do love the bullring roundabout. It's um, it's funny when you hear that name, you think bullring, you think of uh, Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, and that was particularly, you know, known for having these concrete collared type roundabouts mm. like this. Yeah. And it's quite, quite similar. Uh, I've never been in the car park itself, but I do know, you know, using the roundabout. And I find that roundabout a delight. Uh, some people moan about the, the lane layouts and stuff in it. But no, it's, it's, it's fine. So you're saying that was all built earlier on. Yeah. So uh, I think at that the same all... time. That was all like phase two. We've got a few images in the archive that, you know, show aerial imagery uh, of it, the work as it's underway. Now, phase, this is where it gets interesting because in the old days, as, as we've discussed many times before, the council was the driver for everything. The roads, mm -hmm. the town centre, the shopping, the, the car parks. So, you know, in that period from what, 1968 to 1975, the council built the new uh, Bullring roundabout. They jeweled most of the existing A8, you know, the online widening. The A78 section was constructed from the bull ring up to the train station. That all happened as well. They built the shopping centre. They built the multi-storey car park that sits behind the old original Tesco store that you may you may remember. Yes. I think it's yes, B&M Bargains that's maybe in there now, I think. Yeah. You know, they built the multi-storey car park next to all that. Council paid for all of it with some grant assistance from the Scottish office. You know, and, and it's the same that period of, say, six, seven years. They built all of it and owned mm -hmm. all of it. So it was very easy to, you know, to add bits on, take bits away and whatnot. Uh, but down the years, as things changed, obviously, well, the, the road was trunked and that went to Strathclyde Regional Council and then the Scottish Government, through Transport Scotland now. The shopping centre was owned by them. Then they sold 49% of it off or 51% of it off so they could put the roof on. And they did that mm -hmm. in conjunction with a developer. And they then sold their share in the town centre completely a few years after that to fund the construction of the leisure centre that sits next to the building roundabout. Yeah, oh yeah, the waterfront complex. Yeah. So, so they don't actually own any of the town centre now or any of the road network, even though they were responsible for its original, for, um, yeah. its original construction, yeah, it's... design and construction, you know? So this section of the A78, where the A78 kind of uh, starts proper off Bullring, is quite elevated yeah. uh, there. It's kind of uh, three lanes on approach uh, before going through, and you say that was constructed at the same time as Bullring. Yeah, so fee, fee, I think it was phase three and phase four built the either side, so the north and south of the bridge over the shopping centre. And then in the final phase, they actually stuck the bit in that carries the A78 right across the middle of the precinct. Because if you're shopping in Oak Mall, um, you can actually see where the road goes over. Over, It's all boxed in now, obviously, but you can actually see where the bridge is because there's a, a noticeable drop in the ceiling uh, in the right, shopping but... centre. Uh, so that was the last bit that was done there. And again, it takes us back to that 1970s or 60s and uh, principle of separating traffic from pedestrians. That's right, because up near there, before you get between Bullring and the, the next roundabout, and there's quite a lot of roundabouts, so there's a few kind of pedestrian underpasses and things yeah. like that you can you can make your way about, which I have used. Yeah, and it's quite fascinating about there, because if you like your post-war modernist architecture uh, and, you know, the concepts and principles of that, then Greenock is a place worth visiting, because there are a lot of underpasses and a lot of, you know, wee elevated sections of road, uh, you know, on concrete plants and, and, you know, things like that that are interesting. Greenock also, just to go away from roads for a minute, has the uh, longest, uh, well, the most extensive network of railway tunnels, both used and disused, um, uh, next to Glasgow. Right, um, okay. 
large number of disused and very quite long tunnels uh, that run under Greenock down to the old docks and things like that. And also uh, big railway tunnels still in existence. Of course, that's from an era long gone, yeah. but it does uh, conveniently segue uh, into what I'm about to say about the A78 beyond this point before we get to the IBM. Yeah. Um, the the road really hasn't been uh, improved. It's on, on an original alignment, which was which was put about back in the, the, the turn of the, the 20th century. So it's well over 100 years old. Um, so that that was kind of the traffic's route through that. Yes, there's minor improvements, a few roundabouts added. But between, bull, between um, you know, that, that section of the shopping centre and the prison, it's more or less as it's always been. And of course, Bullring now marks the terminus of the E8. Um, you know, yes. that's, it's not just the end of the dual carriageway, it's the end of the E8 route number. Now, yeah. I, I am guessing that originally the E8 as a route continued all the way to Guruk, probably at the train station. Is, is that? Yeah, because if we not heard in legal um, parlance that the A8, it was always sometimes a green at Guruk or Guruk. <laughs> Trunk road, so yes, yeah. the A8 did continue, and then the 78 started at the other end of Guruk. Yeah, so they were able to divert, as I said earlier, they took the trunk road away from the coast and brought it into the inland route uh, down past IBM and the like. Yeah, so it's yeah. like so thinking of the E78, then as you see, where it starts off and goes over that elevated structure, it's actually two plus one. You've got two lanes yeah. heading towards the E8, and you've got one heading up the hill. Uh, yeah. away from the town centre. Now, John, you might know more about this than me, but for years there was a really convoluted one-way system around the town centre in Greenock, you know, with, with, with um, the train station and stuff, and I think there's even I, a bit of it still there. You know, I've heard about this, um, but I, I, I never had the joy of of, um, of really using it. Yeah. I tend, tended to Greenock, I tended to park quite far away from the centre and just walk in, mm-hmm. um, to, to be honest with you, uh, going around. They've got I, a funny Tesco's in there that yeah. I always find quite cramped and difficult to get in and out of. Yeah, I think most of the one-way system is now gone. But at one time, run about Inverkip Street, and it might well have been to do with the restrictions that used to be on the old railway bridge. And you used mm-hmm. to have to go all the way around, past where the home base shop was. I don't even know if that's still there. Probably yes. Um, um, no, home base is shut down. It's become the range. Ah, right. Okay, as has happened in, yeah. in a lot of cases, yeah. So <laughs> you, you, were, uh, you, you basically went away around a loop past the, is it Greenock West train station? It would have been, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's what Greenock West, just up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you were going around that. And I remember when all that railway bridge was uh, was replaced and it all became two-way again, making life just yeah. that wee bit easier. But I think there are still parts of it there behind some of those big shops and things that you, you know, that you can see to this day. I think actually where you used to rejoin was uh, just round about um, where the big uh, cemetery is, I think. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the junction of, I'm just trying to tell you junction names here and street names. Yeah, South Street. Yeah, I think that was kind of where the, the, the sort of a spot. The system would have it. So go past the <laughs> Sheriff Court and you'd end up down it down there, just north. Well, I would say probably just west of the train station. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, you're on Inverkip Road. And Which is what I said. This, this hasn't changed much no. at all in about 100 years. Now, apart from some modern additions, mm-hmm. you come to a kind of a funny roundabout up by the prison, which looks like it, it, it either had or still has a dedicated left turn lane on it. Right. Okay. I, I always if feel you, if you if you yeah, sorry. But it's only for uh, buses only. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking that there. Yeah. 
what I think about this bit of road is it looks as though maybe it's, it's S4. Some, yeah, you can see that, can't you? It's wider. It, yeah. it's, it has got a bit of width it, um, and it's got a, a fairly decent footway on one side, although a bit narrower on on the sort of other side of it. Um, mm. But I do wonder if there's maybe been some improvements done through the years, you know, just to, as you say, modernise it, you know, just to straighten out any, you know, real bends or curves or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's yeah. You're right. I mean, it's the thing is with this type of road, Stuart. You know what we talk about in podcasts in Glasgow. This road is very typical of any urban um, yeah. single <laughs> single carriageway, four lane road um, with cycle lanes and footways and markings everywhere. That it's not that remarkable. No. However, as we start to head out of Greenock towards Inverkip. Um, something happens um there is a there is actually a lovely bit of road down in what they call the spango spango valley okay uh which is where the ibm plant was oh yes now mm-hmm. we have this what i would say is a um a kind of almost like an isolated section of dual carriageway with a grade separated junction down there um there is of course a story behind this because the ibm plant was there but um you have some information on this don't you Stuart, in terms of, of who designed that and uh, yes what's come to be yeah, well, we know that IBM was brought in as part of one of these, uh, you know, the industries when they were pulling them in uh, back in the 60s and the 70s when we still had a little in- inward investment of that type uh, of industry. Mm-hmm. And of course, this was not uncommon at the time. Um, they, they added a whole lot of infrastructure to accommodate that in this vast section, or not so much, not vast, but uh, a certainly not insignificant section of the A78 was jeweled, you know, to accommodate this development. It got its own grade separated junction, as you yep. see, accessing it. And of course, it's got its own train station as well. Or, you know, it did have its own train station while it was. Uh, it only closed a few years ago. It was a request stop only or a halt. Yeah. And uh, because, of course, the you say IBM came along, but then, of course, IBM went. And of course, yeah. And there would have been thousands of people employed in that at one point. Mm. And also, to have a train station for people coming in from further afield, you know, Glasgow or whatever, um, it, it made sense to do that. Now, Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick, uh, who were involved in a lot of the Glasgow motorway schemes, uh, had some involvement in this uh, part of the world. Good. Yep. Uh, in terms of the junction design, and I think even some of the IBM infrastructure, you know, in terms of their own stuff. Yeah, they have I, a flyover within their own complex. Yeah. Uh, going over one of the roads and how it incorporates with the grade separated junction. So mm-hmm. it is. it was impressive to, to have this all... I mean, who paid for that? Was it IBM who paid for the road? or I believe paid IBM paid for all... I think IBM paid for the junction and a lot of the, obviously their own infrastructure within the site. I seem to remember reading that the Scottish Development Department stumped up the money for the dual carriageway. Um, yeah. You know, just to... It's a sort of incentive for them to come as well to see, you know, we'll improve the road links. Now, I may be, I may be wrong here, but I seem to recall that Fairhurst may well have been involved in the design of the road, um, right. you know, the actual yeah. section of road going through the, the dual carriageway section. That's something that I'll need to, we'll need to look into and confirm. As for contractor information, again, no, sorry, don't have anything like that to hand or even an opening date, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for it. So if anybody, you know, there will have people, local people who live in that part of the world remember when know this that, opened. Yeah. well what's become of this then Stuart because the IBM factory but all but everything there I think is now closed IBM actually moved quite a lot of their offices down into Greenock themselves and I think the manufacturing is is, is elsewhere now yeah. and uh, this this whole facility is now abandoned 
And uh, going past there only quite recently, the grade separator junction there is stubbed up. Mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, there are piles of, of, of soil and, and, and debris and, and blocks in the way. And I believe that they're also looking to put bollards in there now to stop people using to using the junction because pretty much there's there's no need yeah, for it. There's nothing there. It's, it's dead. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Inverclyde have grand plans for, for that site. No doubt housing will probably pop up in, in there at some Spango, point yeah. down the line. It's called it, Spango Valley. Yeah, yeah, I see the Spango Burn there. I see the burn is called Spango Burn when I was looking yeah, at the at the map. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it would be a good site for redevelopment. I mean, you've got the road links. You've got you've got the potential for opening that railway station because. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's mothballed, is what they say. But no, it's. I've always found it quite odd. It's this isolated bit of dual carriageway there. But that's yeah. the story behind it. Is this to do with the Of course, the section of dual carriageway at the far end. You know, because it's the dual carriageway doesn't just run past the plant. It runs for quite a distance all the way down to Inverkip. So that was all part it of the. It goes to a roundabout. Yeah, yeah that's right. That was all part of that wider plan to divert the trunk road away from the coast as well. You mm -hmm. know, so you've got that really high quality section of dual carriageway running all the way down to Inverkip. Uh, that actually links up with the old road, which I think is now the E770, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that comes out from Gurukh. Um, We're, um, the section by Inverkip and Inverkip Marina is, is quite a high quality uh, part of the road there. And I don't know if that was constructed around about a kind of a, a similar time mm -hmm. that they've done that always and maybe an upgrade of an existing one. No, we just I, I think that all came round about the same kind of time. Um, okay. But again, you remember the old oil-fueled or oil-fired power station that used to There's be There's another... There's another anomaly down here. Yes, there's the Invercate power station, which you told me, Stuart, was barely used. Barely, I think it was only used a handful of times in the 40 years that it was operational uh, because it was built at a time when the oil was flowing <laughs> freely all across yep. the world. Uh, and within the usual here, within a year or two of opening, the oil price went high, shot up, and it became very expensive to run the power station. And I think actually it ended up only being used in times of extreme need. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually it was demolished. I think the uh, was the chimney for that not one of the largest freestanding structures in Scotland or something? It was. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that and the Glasgow Science Centre tower. Yeah. And that recently, that now most of that site is now demolished and yeah. the, the tower came down. That was quite impressive. But we're a roads podcast, so we'll talk about the roads. But there is something odd here. There is a junction for Invercate Power Station. And this is, although a single carriageway road uh, on the A78, it's actually a grade separated junction. Yep. Now, uh, being uh, a new denizen of um, Livingston, uh, we have quite a few examples here of single carriageway grade separated junctions. So uh, a single carriageway junction with a flyover. And this one down at Invercate Power Station is an example of that. It's a diamond. Um, now, if you were ever driving past that and you're, you're, you're there, you can actually look and you can see the structure, the bridge, is wide enough for a dual carriageway. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely with, is. Yeah. So now it's incredibly quiet and, and quite overgrown. You go down there, but I think now that that junction really only serves a um, housing development and a substation, um, which is up by by Invercip. Yeah, because there has been a lot of housing has popped up. Uh, so it's useful to have that junction, but yeah, that's I've always found that a, a funny section. It and then it anomaly. It's an anomaly, yeah. Uh, but obviously they, they put that in there because I think that they, they obviously want a very good access to the power station and also um, for people who were, were going to be working there uh, in, in kind of housing 
nearby. The, the, the A78 from this point going down to Weems Bay, um, is a, I like this bit of road. I think it's quite nice how it goes and hugs the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on it, but it always reminds you on a sunny day, you know, you go down to Largs or something, you take that route. Yeah, it's a nice coastal road. It's very busy, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in the summer. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. I mean, from a, from a, a Glasgow road's point of view, it's not particularly interesting. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no features. We're, we're coming out of our comfort area yeah. here, aren't we? We're talking about these country roads, whimsical drives down the coast. I know exactly, but uh, I think it, I think it deserves a, a mention. You get Scalmily as well. Just yeah. Place. Oh, the uh, in- interestingly, I've just found a wee record here. Uh, the section, the IBM section, was constructed oh, yeah? by Norwest Holston Company, um, who were an old contractor. Um, who were involved in the M74 section between uh, Ponyo and Millbank and various other, other places. So Norwest Holst, Holst built that section. And mm. I'm just going to have a wee look here and see if I can confirm the section uh, actually further down uh, at the Kip Marina, because it would be interesting just to see who had done that one. So just checking okay. my records here. This is the joy of doing this remotely, John. I have all our archive records immediately available Absolutely. to me. <laughs> the thing, yeah, I just want to say, anyone who's interested in how the production of the podcast actually works, normally, you know, Stuart and I are facing each other with the microphones, with with printouts and bits of paper, but on the computer, it's oddly easy because we've got our monitors here. We can we can look at things, and we have uh, boom microphones on headsets, so we don't need to worry about exactly you know, not looking at it. So yeah, it it is easier. I just I just hope the quality is is, is as good as it always is. Yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, um, I don't have much. Uh, Information. It looks like the section at Inverkip was finished in 1972, um, according to the to the records I have here. Um, right, so I that see. would have made it a, a Renfrewshire County uh, scheme. Uh, that well, was it, back then. Mm-hmm. It would put for Inver- Inverclyde County back then. No, no, there was no Inverclyde County. It was all Renfrewshire. Um, so Renfrewshire covered everything in Greenock and uh, and everything yeah. back then. And obviously, uh, Ayrshire would have kicked in just ever so slightly to the south of here. Um, yeah. as it does uh, oh I have I do have an old file here let me just have a look and see what it says that Bridget Inverkip is referred to as Brew Acre um, and I've just found a, an old record here and we'll tell you if it actually has any uh, and when you say Bridget Inverkip are you talking about um, the one at the power station yeah yeah the, the junction mm-hmm because yeah. uh, oh, oh. that's what I refer. Um, I, I mean, I've got some some names that I use. There you go. It was designed by. There you go. The the Scot- South of Scotland Electricity Board. So it was the SSEB, the Inverkip Road Diversion. So they actually did all the design on the section at Inverkip, uh, and they had some input from a chartered civil engineering company called James Williamson and Partners. Oh, so well, there, there you go. go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, <laughs> doesn't tell us about contractor unfortunately um but it, it does give us a wee bit more information so you can assume it was paid for by the sseb so there we mm. go back in the, the old days yeah brew acre junction that's what it's called that's mm-hmm. what i've got it down as yeah yes. Brewacre, yeah so there Brewacre. you go you snippet of, of information there Brewacre. just information. as we're talking so I mean, we've, we've spoken about the history and everything of the route and stuff here. What's the future for the A8 and the A78? Um, are there are they? Were we going to see some improvements in time? I mean, we, 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 
I know we covered this. I mean, the traffic levels are low on the A8, so I don't think we're going to see a blue line any anytime soon. But maybe in the A78, maybe some improvements or, or some some improvements uh, in the urban sections. What, what are your thoughts, Joe? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the urban section for Greenock can be really quite busy at times. Um, busy ever... but moving yeah. I've always found it quite good now I know in the sections um, I, I think some of these roundabouts like the roundabouts at McDonald's and I think the roundabouts mm -hmm. at Cuts Dyke um, were perhaps added later yeah or, or improved yeah definitely I think they have been yeah to, to add access improved access into the old shipyard sites and things like that yeah mm. the, the problem with the whole area I've noticed with the Greenock and and Port Glasgow is they're all on a hill leading down to the Clyde. You mm -hmm. don't have very wide corridors for doing things. No. You know, the railway and the road are kind of squeezed along here. And I've often thought something you could do with the air would be to stub up some of the accesses on it, mm -hmm. keep the route a little bit more free flowing. Uh, but then, of course, you would have to provide junctions and other things further down the road uh, to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, there was an old railway bridge that went over the A8 down at the um, the old docks that was removed at some point. I don't know if you remember or had any involvement with that, Stuart. No, I didn't, but I do remember that happening. Um, you know, just as we've been, been speaking here as well, John, I've managed to get some dates for us all. Um, so IBM was finished in 1982. Mm -hmm. okay. Bullring was completed in 1974. Right, okay. okay. 1974 for that section. 84 for IBM. Yep, for IBM. Uh, the contractor, as I, as I told you earlier, was Norwest Holst. I don't have a contractor for for Bullring, uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's a shame because that would have been good good info to have. No doubt somebody will remember. I, I, I seem to remember there were a few local contractors involved, um, you know, in that section. In fact, hang on, hang on. I'm correcting myself already. It was Tarmac. Who constructed Bullring Roundabout? Tarmac, who became Carillion mm -hmm. Tarmac. Yeah, yeah. That, they're one okay. of them. So they were probably involved in that section down past Carpsdyke, uh, you know, the Carpsdyke part of Greenock. Um, yes. All the way down through there. Yep. So that was so from kind of like where McDonald's area is and the call centre for T-Mobile or EE. Yeah. That's right. The section in front of the James Watt dock, um, you know, so that's, that's around about where McDonald's is. That looks to have been completed just around about 1966-1967 time. Um, you know, so that was probably all done as part of that first phase of the upgrading that they were, you know, they were talking about. Um, yeah. So, you know, so that can put some dates on that one as well. So this this file that we have here actually is quite is quite useful. I should I should have been looking at all this before we started talking about it. <laughs> well, sometimes it's more interesting to have the podcast evolve as we're doing yeah. it. We're finding out things on the fly. So exactly, yeah, exactly. It's a kind of slightly different format than we normally use looking at these things. But I mean, I've certainly got the map up here looking. So mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a lot. As I say, it's a part of the world that I'm fairly familiar with, but I had never really spent a lot of time looking into its road system. You know, um, it, it's quite interesting um, because it is. Mm. I mean, you can understand why they made all these improvements because the container ships and things that were getting moved from Glasgow city centre, you know, the port facilities were getting moved to Port Glasgow. Um, mm. You know, so it made sense to have these improved roads so that the goods could still flow into the, the you know, to central Scotland and beyond. Yeah. So it's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. Why it's all these just, things, it, you know? it's changed slightly now, isn't it? I mean, we've got, um, you know, it was of course big for ship, the shipping 
shipbuilding industry yeah. and stuff, and that of course has all gone away. And of but course, it does still it does still have one shipyard, doesn't it? Yeah, the um, one, Fergus, yeah. which is <laughs> the only one that's on uh, the kind of the, the Clyde in this area. So yeah, it's uh, and I suppose the other thing that's interesting is the character of the of the traffic and the roads has changed a bit as well. There's been a lot more commuter traffic now, uh, you know, heading. Towards Glasgow well, in the morning than the sea would have been 45, 50 years ago. I need to say something about this. Is I, I was somebody who worked in Greenock uh, for a couple of years uh, and and uh, you know had friends there and stuff like that. Is I found it also incredibly easy to get there on the train. I've always found the and, and it always has had a good electrified rail link. Mm-hmm. Um, the public transport through there is fantastic, and I think yeah. anybody that was say working in Port Glasgow, uh, sorry, living in Port Glasgow and so on, why would you take the car to? Glasgow, you know, the trains are good and they're high frequency. And mm-hmm. I think that could have a contributing factor to why the road is actually quite quiet sometimes. Yeah. I think uh, public transport is it's very well served by its railways. Of course, that was part of the original Blue Trains uh, electrified network as well when it launched in the early 60s. So, you know, yeah. that, that, that all makes sense as well. You know, they, they've always had that good access. I think it's, it's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, uh, interestingly, that's all I've got to say. I quite like the areas anyway, but yeah. they have changed. Yeah, a final point that I'll make uh, on that section, just the, you know, the far east section of the A8. So when we're talking earlier about Bishopton Bypass, uh, you know, at stage two, that being completed in 1975, um, it looks to be the case that the section of dual carriageway between there and a uh, you know just beyond Lang Bank towards the, the rock cutting at New York, I think you said it was, didn't you? Um, it yeah. looks like that was finished around about 74, 75, and 76. So, you know, I, we don't mm-hmm. have a pinned down date there, but we're a bit closer than maybe we were when we started talking. <laughs> We've learned more from doing it, but as you know, you said earlier, Stuart, if anyone's listening and knows more about this yeah. or knows someone who worked on these sections, please come forward with information. We yeah. don't have a huge amount of photos or materials on this, no. do we? But, no, we really don't. I need to get back down to the Inverclyde archives. Oh, uh, the, yeah. the archivist for Inverclyde is someone who uh, is, a, is a fan of ours and I've had, uh, had a number of dealings with and um, she's always been very helpful uh, when I've been looking for various things. So hello to Lorraine, who works down at the, the library down there. She's 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 a great, great help. Uh, so we'll have to get back in there and start looking at the roads, stuff they have. Uh, but I think on that note, I think we've more or less covered everything for this podcast, John. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I think it's been great to talk about something different. Yeah, definitely. Now, the next one we're back with, because we've had to go digital, we've, we've kind of cut back the numbers of episodes a wee bit, as I'm sure people have noticed. So we'll have our December episodes coming up. Um, I think we're going to be talking about Ayrshire and the Ayrshire road system. Uh, we're going to yes. do a review of all Finally. the countries down there. <laughs> That's going to be one of the December episodes. And then we're going to have the Christmas one as well, which Nick will be joining us for uh, as well. So we'll have the three of us uh, talking about a whole variety of things and we'll get some questions and things from you for those. A reminder again, just about that calendar, they're still there. I think we've sold at mm-hmm. least five in the time that I've uh, been recording this. So they are going fast. So jump in and get one if you want one um, or if you've got any questions about them, get in touch. As always, you can hear all episodes of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Uh, you'll find them wherever podcasts can be found now because we're distributing them as widely as we possibly can. Yeah, that's right. And uh, of course, social media. Don't forget, there's been some great stuff on Facebook, Twitter uh, and Instagram as well. So if you haven't seen that already, please go check us out there. 
Definitely. And the new website will be launching very shortly. Um, it should be launching just around about Christmas time. Uh, so keep an eye open for a confirmed date on that. Uh, much more user friendly uh, and certainly much more mobile friendly. Crucially, it is mobile friendly. Uh, John has been my test monkey for some of the new pages and I think so today he's been quite happy. At all time of the day to what does this look like can you try and click on this and do this I mean, this is this is the joy of working remotely yeah yeah exactly so that's <laughs> coming along so we'll have the at least the main aspects of that site launched before Christmas and then lots of new bits will be added through 2021 as well and lots of new images and plans and downloads as well crucially all coming along as part of that so Absolutely. on that note thank you for listening and we'll speak to you soon Bye.